You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, can we throw up the other slides? Actually, I, do you guys have a picture? So during the break, uh, one of our amazing designers back home made a really funny picture to illustrate session number one. Were you able to show that? Boom. <laughs> That is so going to be an ad when we launch this book. So uh, I can't wait. Anyway, thank you. All right. We can go back. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the biggest thing from the first session is I want you guys to become obsessed with your dream customer and their journey. Like the more obsessed you become with them, the humans you are trying to serve, the easier this game becomes. Um, I promise you that. Uh, In fact, uh, I did a podcast about this probably a year or so ago. And um, somebody, I can't remember somebody, what brought it up, but I told, I told people, I used to do events back in the day, and I could tell within two or three minutes of getting, coming in a room, these rooms are probably like 100 people show up, within two or three minutes of being in a room, I could tell like, with a, 100% accuracy who was going to be successful and who wasn't. And the way I could always tell consistently, so this is a hint, <clears throat> I could tell who was going to be successful because the people, <clears throat> the people who were successful, they were talking about these kind of things. These were the questions is the customers, the product, the vision, the thing. The people who never had success are the ones talking about the money, okay? The money is an amazing byproduct that comes when you're serving people. So just focus on this and all the good things will start coming on the backside of it, okay? All right, thank you, you can clap for that. <clears throat> okay, so next thing I wanna kinda of go into, this will be a, sh- a shorter session, we're gonna have a workshop at the end and then, uh, and then we'll break to lunch, but the next question is like, okay, now I'm super clear on like who they are, where I want to take them, what the process is going to be, how I can provide value. Um, the next question then is like, well, where, like, where are these people hiding at? The hot ones are on your list. They're your followers, right? So like we, as you're growing them, it's easy to find them. But where are these other ones at? Where are the cold people? Where are the warm people? How do we start finding them? <clears throat> and so I want to go back into the history books of marketing to uh, explain some of this part for you, if you guys are okay with that. You guys can okay cover some uh, marketing history. Okay. Um, I wish in school they talked about this history. This is the only history that's actually valuable, I think. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> so I want to talk about the difference between search-based and interest-based. Okay, so I want you guys to put yourself back in time, back when uh, things were black and white on TV, probably before that. And think about humans. Think about customers. Think about these people, right? So put yourself back before there was a TV, before there was radio, before there was internet, before all these things. You're sitting in your house. How did you buy stuff? How did they buy stuff that back then? People would sit there, sometimes, sometimes catalogs, they would sit there and they're like, huh, I need something. And they would go into their car, they'd turn the key, they would drive to the store, they would get to the store and like, oh, that's a toaster. And there's like five toasters and they're like, uh, which one's the cheapest? And they'd grab that one, they'd go to the counter, they'd buy it and they'd go back home. People bought things based on what they actually needed. Okay? Now, I went back into the archives of marketing and I wanted to see like, when things started shifting, okay? So back then, people would only buy things when they were searching for them. I'm searching, I'm looking for these things, okay? Um, in uh, in uh, 1886 is actually when the first yellow pages started, okay? But still, it was still search-based, right? Ah, my toilet flooded. I flipped through yellow pages to find the plumber, find the guy who was the cheapest, give him a call, right? Now, notice the pattern with searching. If I'm searching for something, I go, I look for it, I price shop, I compare, and I usually find the thing that's the cheapest, and I buy that. Okay, that's what's happening with search. Okay, now, um, uh, there's two ways I could teach this, I think the best way to do it. 
Um, now, if you want to look at the thing that shifted um, somewhere along the line, actually, I have the actual dates, is we shifted from something called search, where people based on what they needed, to this concept of interruption, where people based, started buying based on desire. So if you look at this, the very first uh, interruption-style marketing happened, the very first thing uh, actually happened in 1835. So in 1835, the postman was delivering letters, right? This was happening. In 1835, the American Anti-Slavery Association sent out the very first direct mail piece ever. They wrote a tract about anti-slavery, and they started mailing it with the mail. They had the postman deliver this message to people. Okay, and people all of a sudden get the mail from their friends, and all of a sudden this tract, and they're like, what is this? And do you think people took it really happily? They were like super mad. They did not enjoy getting spammed in their mailbox back in the day. It's kind of funny how the pattern repeats. That was the very first interruption that happened as they got that. Who remembers the email when it first came out? And like every email, you're like, I got an email. Like, dude, you got mail. And you're so excited. And now you're just like every email you hate whoever sent it because you're like, I don't want more in here. Anyway, that's what happens. 1835 was the very first direct mail piece. 1922 was the very first radio commercial. Okay? Radio was free. These radio waves are like, how are we supposed to make money with this? Someone had the great idea um, to run a radio ad. So it was actually for the Hawthorne Court Apartments in Jackson Heights, Florida. Um, They ran a radio ad saying, we have vacancies. And they started selling people through there. People were listening to a show. They were interrupted with a message. And then they were able to sell that person based on desire. Like, would you like to live over here? You should come check it out. Okay? So they were listening to something. They were interrupted. And then they had an opportunity, a short second, to sell them based on the perceived value. I'll get deeper into that in a minute. Okay? 1927, amazing thing happened. This ruined most of us. TV was invented by a dude in Idaho, nonetheless. So all good things come from Idaho. Apparently. Um, so 1927, the guy invented the TV. And the first 13 years, it was just regular TV. And then 13 years into it, the very first TV commercial aired ever. And it was for a watch called the Bolvo Watch. The commercial lasted for 10 seconds on NBC. Someone's watching a show and all of a sudden this thing happens. It's like, hey, you should get this watch. It's amazing. And then back to the program. And people are like, what just happened? The very first time that interruption happened through TV. Okay. Um, all right, so those are some, some of the things. Now, I want to talk about this shift, okay? So, there, there, the, again, there's two, the two styles, right? So the first one is, is search. So I'm going to draw a little picture of this dude who's going to be searching, okay? And this is his hand, like, looking out over the thing. I'm looking for this thing, okay? Now, the pros with searching, uh, actually, let me, let me step back. This is the part I'm writing the book in order, trying to make sure you have the context for the thing before the other thing. Um, Try to think how to explain this the best way. Um, let me go high level first and I'll go deeper, okay? So with, uh, with searching, it started, it started with people going to the store, buying, they were searching something, they would buy it, right? And then they started getting interrupted. They started seeing ads on TV, ads on thing, and it was interruption. They were interrupted and the person interrupting with the ad had a chance to sell based on perceived value, okay? Searching, I'm going finding the lowest price thing because I need it. Interruptions based on desire, Okay? I'm able to sell someone based on their desire and the perceived value of the thing I'm trying to sell. Because I'm not actively looking for a toaster, but I can pop in there and be like, dude, I know you want a toaster. There's some cheap crappy ones, but check out this one. It's 12 slices of bread at once and they flip all over and peanut butter and mustard on both sides. And it's amazing. You're like, what? I must have this thing. I now desire it. And you will spend five times as much because they sold you on the perceived value of the thing. Okay, that's the power of interruption. Okay, so if you look at history, it started with search and then people brought in interruption. Now fast forward to the internet. Okay, when the internet came out, how did commerce start initially? There was this thing called Google. 
It's weird how history repeats itself. And for the first 10 years of the internet, people would come to Google, they would search for something and they would go look for it and they would go in and they'd buy it. Isn't that fascinating? But when you're searching, what happens? You have the first person, second person, third person, fourth person, whoever's got the best ranking. And then it's like, you click on two or three or four until you find the thing you want and then you buy it. Okay, Amazon, same thing. You go to Amazon, you search for something, you're looking for things. And usually what's happening is someone's doing a price drop, trying to find the thing that's the cheapest or things that have the highest stars and the lowest price, right? We're, th- we're, we're, um, we're price shopping, we're price sensitive. When you're searching for something, you're super price sensitive. When you're looking for a car, you do the car reviews, you're searching, you're looking, and you're looking for the best deal for the best price, okay? Now there's positives to search, okay? The positive search is like the pros is that when somebody is looking for something right now, they are hot traffic, right? Like if somebody Googled how to get to the Two Comma Club X event today, like they're really excited. They're going to buy their hot traffic, right? So someone's searching their hot. The problem though, and this is the biggest problem with, um, with search-based stuff, is that it's a constant price race to the bottom. Um, price race to the bottom. Okay. Um, that's like while we had our supplement funnel, we were selling the same supplement for uh, $80 a bottle. We had to sell on Amazon for $20 a bottle. So people are searching for our stuff. It's like, oh, everyone else is there and you got to go price, 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 and you're shopping down as much as you can. In funnel, you have the opportunity to sell based on perceived value. Okay. Um, all right. The biggest story that helped me understand this, I'm going to share this with you, is uh, Trevor Chapman. Trevor's not here, I don't think, is he? Uh, he's one of my inner circle members and he explains to me better than anyone. Like, um, he was talking about like, if you, if you wanted a home security system and Trevor's background is he was a door-to-door uh, alarm system salesman. How many, how many door-to-door sales, uh, alarm sales people do we have in the room? They've done this in the past, in your, earlier life. Yeah. You guys know something nobody else knows. All right. So if I was going to Amazon right now and type in alarm system, guess what you see? Tons of things, right? I was looking last night, I was going through it and I was like, there were alarm systems for my home I could buy for $90 or $99 was like the one that I found that covers my whole house and like protects me from burglars. Okay, so if I'm searching, I'm looking at that and like it's a race to the bottom for a hundred bucks I can get my alarm system, okay? That's search-based. Now imagine this, um, you're sitting at home, you're about to have dinner with your family and all of a sudden outside you hear this knock on the door. You open the door and there's a smiley person in an orange shirt and they're like, hi, how's it going, Right? They interrupt you and you're like, ah, this person's interrupted me. And then they, they hook you. They tell you a story. We'll get into this later to the, after lunch. Hook story and they make you an offer, right? They come inside and they have an opportunity now to sell you on the perceived value of this alarm system, how it's going to help your, it's going to protect your home, protect your kids, do all these things. You have this amazing opportunity now to sell the person based on the perceived value, what it is you're selling. Okay. How many of you have had somebody in your house doing this for your alarm system? And what happens when that person leaves? You end up signing a contract for free alarm system, but if you look at the actual contract, what did you sign? You signed a contract for over $100,000. Okay, what's the difference? One, I go to Amazon, I'm searching for the thing, and then I race to the bottom by the cheapest one. Number two, somebody interrupts me. They have an opportunity to give a presentation to somebody on the perceived value of that thing, and then the same, the same end result, right? The same end result ends up being $100,000 versus $100. Okay, it's all about understanding that. So, um, if you look at the, the shifts throughout time, it always starts search and then it moves to uh, interruption. So here's, here's my dude over here who's on his cell phone and all of a sudden he's scrolling through his face, his feet, and all of a sudden, boom, he gets this big, huge interruption. It's like, wait. Okay, how many of you guys have seen these in your newsfeed? Every day of your life, right? You're doing whatever you're doing. You're watching your show. You're scrolling through Facebook. All of a sudden, duh, something hook, jumps out, interrupts you. And it, if it hooks you right, you stop, you click on a button, and then they have a chance to sell you on perceived value of the thing. Next thing you know, you're in Arizona Fun Hockey Live. 
or where we at? Two comical backs. Anyway, right? So the pros of this, the big pros of, um, of, uh, of interruption-based is number one, you're selling warm traffic, right? I'm able to target people. If we're on Facebook, I'm not just going to blanket all of Facebook. I'm able to be like, okay, people who listen to Tony Robbins, show them this ad. I'm going to try to interrupt them. Or people listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. Or people listen to Duck Dynasty. Or people like you can target based on interest. So they're warm traffic. You have the ability to go in there and interrupt them. So that's a big, uh, big pro. Number two is you can sell on perceived value. Okay. This is how you're actually able to sell what you sell for what you're actually worth. The biggest things I struggle with, like my friends who come to me from Amazon and from these, these other uh, channels where they built their whole companies, I'm like, man, you're not getting paid what you're worth. But yeah, but you know, it's 20 other competitors and some, Google, you know, some types in my thing. There's like, I have to be the lowest priced person or I lose the game. It's like, dang, that sucks. I want to be the most expensive person, right? Dan Kennedy told me one time, he's like, um, if you can't be the lowest priced leader in town, there's no strategic advantage of being the second lowest priced leader. But there's a huge strategic advantage about being the most expensive person, right? We are the most expensive, best thing in the entire world. So you can't do that on search. Someone's searching for your thing. You don't have a chance to, to, to sell them, right? Um, you, but you interrupt someone, you get their attention. Now you have the opportunity to sell based on perceived value. Okay, so these are the big pros. The cons here is, how many guys are Amazon people in the room? I spent Amazon's like, you have a picture, you have a couple bullet points what your thing is, you get it listed and you're done, Right? There's more than that, obviously, but it's, it's not, it's, it's pretty easy with interruption marketing. You have to be good at a couple things. You have to be really good at hooks, stories, and offers, right? You have to be able to grab someone in the middle of their face. Like, wait, I know you're over here watching that cat videos, but guess what? There's an amazing thing happening. You have to grab them. You tell them a story to engage them. And then you have to be able to do an offer. So the cons is you have to learn these skill sets. Okay. So a lot of things, the, the biggest thing I see when people coming from like a search-based business and moving it into interruption-based is being able to learn these pieces. Like how do I craft a hook, a story, and an offer? So if you look at this, what's interesting, um, uh, and I, I was making this in my, in my notes today about like what's important and why it's important. Um, uh, let me see right here. Over here, the reason why dot-com secrets, why that book and that, that message is so important is because um, over here is this big, huge price race to the bottom, right? And so a lot of times the way we win in this kind of game, if we're doing search, and, and some people are probably wondering like, so should I be doing search? Should I be doing an interruption? The, the answer is both. You should be doing both of these things, right? Um, there's not one that's better than worse. They're just, they're, they're different animals understanding that, right? Like if I can be on page number one for how to make money or how to lose weight, like I will take that all day long, right? But the problem is like, it's going to be hard for me to sell like my $5,000 weight loss coaching program because people will be like, oh, I can go here and it's like $100 for the cent, you know, for, for, like it's hard because they're price shopping, right? But if I can do this and have something at the low end of the value ladder, right? Think Kaylin Poland, she's got her book, Big Fat Weight Loss Lies. If she can rank on there and get somebody there and, uh, and hook them and say, oh, well, everyone else has got these weight loss programs. Kaylin's book's free plus shipping. She gets it. Now they're in her funnel. Now she can send them up this value ladder. Now she's able to sell them on the perceived value. Okay, so I love search because I come in here, I grab people this spot. And I can move them off of that spot where they're searching. Now I have their contact information. Now I can now send them with the value out and sell them based on perceived value. That's how you're able to increase the value you're able to provide them. And in return, they, they, they make more for you, right? So that's, that's like why dot-com secrets value ladder, all the stuff we talk about is so important at this level. Over here, this is why expert secret stuff is so important. Because if you've got an amazing product, but you can't hook people, tell them a story, make them a special offer, you're going to get destroyed in, uh, in the interest-based side of things. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what we're going to start thinking about as we're looking at this. Uh, things are going to start um, 
We're gonna keep layering this deeper and deeper as we go through. But the first level is for me is understanding like, am I, am I focusing on like search-based stuff or am I focusing on interest-based stuff? People interested in, th- interested in things and excuse me, and I'm interrupting them and getting their attention, okay? Um, all right, so what we're gonna do now, this is called the activity side. So there is the picture I just drew. If you guys wanna take a snapshot of that real quick on your phones. <clears throat> if not, I'll try to get all the slides out to you guys too, but... Um, Okay, so what I want you guys to think about, again, this is the strategic side of things this morning before we get into, get a little deeper in the weeds, but I want you guys thinking about this. Okay, the dream customer we talked about earlier. So I have my dream customers. If I know my dream customers, like, what is it that they're searching for right now? Okay, or, and or I should say, my dream customers, what is it that they are interested in right now that I can interrupt them in the middle of it and get their attention? Okay, so the activity I want you guys to do for the next probably 15 minutes or so is gonna be, is gonna be this, Okay. Um, the searcher. So think about this. And again, every level is different. So people they're searching, if they're cold, they're searching for different keywords than if they're searching for warm. Okay. So an example of this, uh, the way that I would do this exercise, I'd say, okay, my dream customer thinking about Mike and Julie and their pictures. And I'm like, hey, I, I want to serve these people. If they're cold traffic right now and they, they're in pain, but they have no idea what's even possible, what would they probably be searching for? Okay. So on the left-hand side here, I'm on the cold traffic. I'm thinking super cold. They have no idea what funnels are. They don't even know what internet marketing is. What would the cold search, what, what Mike or Julie, if they were in Google right now, what would they be searching for? I'm going to make a list of those. Like they probably search for like work from home or make money online, or I'm going to make a list of all the keywords that that person specifically, if they were super cold, would be searching for. Does that make sense? So for you guys, business, I want you to think about it. your dream customer. What is it? If they're super cold, what, would they, what are the actual phrases they would be searching for? Okay, that's the first thing. And this is something when you go home, you should go deeper than just like five or six lines. But I want you guys thinking through that. Then the next phase is, okay, now, now let's say they move from cold to like warm audience. Like they understand they're in pain. They understand they need some kind of online business and they're trying to figure that out and they, they know they want to sell information products, right? Okay, now I know that they're, they're warm. Like what would be the, the keywords they would be searching for if they're trying to figure out how to do the next step? Okay, so I'd be thinking, okay, if it's this person... Um, and I'm sitting there with them and they're searching. Now I'd be searching for like how to make your own course or maybe how to, um, you know, how to get ranked in Google or how to, uh, how to make a website or how to, and I'd be thinking through all the things that that person might be searching for before they ever get to me, right? Because my goal is to grab these people in whatever phase they're in, connect with them and then be able to take them and take them on this customer journey with me, right? And so it's like, what are the things they're searching for here and what are the things they're searching for here? Now for some of you guys, this exercise is gonna be hard because you're like, it's hard to remember back to that time that like you were actually in here, right? A lot of you guys, like you've been doing your thing. You love it. You're obsessed with it. And you have this big vocabulary and all these technical words. You have to stop for a minute. And you have to like step back and be like, hey, what was, for me, this is the way I do it. And I do this every single time. Some of you guys know my, my junk mail story. But when I was um, 12 years old, the first time I saw Don LaPree's infomercial, I saw his infomercial talking about how to make money with tiny little classified ads. Anyone here ever seen that infomercial? So good. At the Drive Bar Comedy Club last week, Andrew Warner heard that story and actually showed the infomercial for everyone. I had like deja vu of like my childhood. So I was 12-year-old Russell. I watched that infomercial and I was like, oh my gosh, I have, like, I have to get this. I don't have $40. I've never had $40. That's what it costs to buy this thing. So I begged my dad. I yelled at him. Like, and finally, my dad's like, go and mow the lawns for a month and I will give you $10 a month to, or $10 a week to do it. So I was like, mowing lawns, got my 40 bucks, ordered my kit and I got it, right? And then after that, I remember I had no money to place classified ads. So I was like, crap, what do I do now? And so then I went and uh, I started uh, ordering junk mail. How many of you have ever read Small Business Opportunity Magazine? It's the one of the new sound, all the cartoons. It's like, get rich quick, make money, start your own business. It's like the scammiest thing in the world. If you open it, it's 140 pages of ads and two articles. Each article is one page. 
That's what that is amazing. So I, I would go to the grocery store with my mom. I'm like, can I get a magazine? She's like, sure. And like, I get that one. She's like, why do you want the scam magazine? I'm like, because these scams are amazing, right? So I'd get this, like, this is 13, 14 year old Russell. I get the magazine and like, and they still have them. Every time I walk by a newsstand, I like chuckle because I'm like, I love that magazine. Anyway, and you open it up and it's like the very first ad is this like, like magazine sales ad for somehow to get rich quick thing. Like one is like, how to like make money selling gold jewelry. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a, that's brilliant. And so like, there's a number and then there's like a way to respond. So I would call the 1-800 number I'm like, hey, um, that thing about how to make money with jewelry, I totally want to do that. They're like, okay, cool. What's your address? I'll send you an info kit. But I tell them the address and then they put me on their mailing list and then they send me a kit and I go to the next ad. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can make money uh, doing tiny little donuts. Those of you read the magazine and remember these ads. Tiny little donuts, they had little donut machines. You can pump out donuts, go to the city fair and make money doing donuts. I'm like, that's brilliant. Oh my gosh. And so I call that number. I'm like, hey, can you send me an info kit? They're like, sure. What's your address? Send the address, right? Then the next one I flip over and it says, dude, I actually met this guy like 25 years later. It was fascinating. Um, he sells, uh, Michael Gravette, he, he has a biz op that teaches people how to um, uh, stun guns and uh, basically you give him $5 for an info kit and you become a distributor for his stun guns, mace, all these things like that. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like everyone needs stun guns and, and mace and things like that. This is brilliant. So I call him. I'm like, Hey, can I get an info kit? He's like, sure. So I get my address, sends me an info kit and I go flip it over. And there's this guy. I also met him. It's so funny. All these people who I met back when I was 12 in the magazine, I met him later at direct response conferences. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know who you are? Like I remember I met Matthew Lesko. Do you guys remember him? The dude with the question marks is like, government grants. I was walking down New York City at a marketing event, and he comes the other way, and nobody knows who he is except for me. I'm like, you're Matthew Lesko. I'm freaking out. I'm like, dude, I bought your thing like 12 times when I was 12 years old, and super awkward. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I bought, his, I bought Matthew Lesko's thing, and then I bought the next thing, which was uh, Starscapes, which was like this, this thing where you could like, you could like, Taint the thing with this glow in the dark. So I'm legit. Those who read the, like, I'm not kidding here. I did this work, right? So I called every single ad in the 140 pages of the magazine. It's 140 ads I called on to get the info kit. 140 ads times one mailman and one mailbox equals every single day the mail could not fit into my mailbox. 12-year-old Russell would come home from junior high and there'd be a stack of Russell's junk mail right here and then like one letter or two letters from my parents. And I'd be like, oh, and I grab the stack of junk mail. I'd go in my bed. i open up each letter one time. I'd read it. And I was like, Oh, oh my gosh. And I remember, but I remember the feeling, right? I would read one letter and I'm like, huh. And I put it down. I read another letter. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I convinced my parents can be $39? Oh, I got to get them. And I put that one over here. And I read the next one. I'm like, huh, huh. Oh my gosh, $197. How am I getting my parents to like, I got it. Like, and I remember that, right? Now the cool thing about junk mail is, um, after you're on somebody's list, the way these guys make money is then they rent your list to other people. So the 140 people had my name on the list then rented those lists to other people and then rented to other people. It got to the point where it was ridiculous how much mail I was getting in the mail. And every day, 12-year-old Russell would sit on his bed and read through every single sales letter. I remember physically, some I would throw away and some I would be so obsessed with, I'd put them in a stack like, I have to convince my parents to give me money for this. Okay? So for me, when I'm writing any offer, creating any ad, doing anything, I go back to 12-year-old Russell sitting in the bed. I'm thinking, if I was scrolling on my phone, would I stop? If I was going to Google to figure out, like, what would I, what would I, what would 12 year Russell have typed that would somehow enter into my world nowadays? Right? This is the exercise I want you guys to do right now. I was thinking back about yourself, back before you were who you are, before you knew all the stuff you knew, back when you first heard about this, you first got excited, when you were 12 year old Russell in your room, which ones would you be like, oh my gosh, or like, ah? Okay? Everything we're doing, thinking about that. But for right now, I want to think from the searcher side, what would you actually be searching for? Okay? And this is, this exercise is pure keywords, okay? 
Okay, I, they, they need something. This left-hand side, if you want to caption, like this needs over here and over here is going to be wants. Like this is what they want. But what do they need? They're needing something. They're searching for it. What are the words that someone who's cold is searching for? And what are the words that someone who's warm is searching for? Okay, we're going to spend, let's do three minutes right now. We'll turn some music on. And I want you to write as many as you can think. If I put yourself back in that state, think of what are the actual keywords you would type into Google if you were looking for the thing you were looking at when you were super cold and no idea about this world when then when you were warm. Okay, so spend three minutes writing as many keywords as you can think of on both those two columns. And go. Forty-five more seconds. Keep writing as many as you can think of. seconds. All right. Okay. The reason why I'm having you guys do this stuff, I know that there are keyword search tools. You can type stuff in, it'll give you a bunch of keywords. That's not the goal of this. The goal is for you guys to get in the mindset of your dream customer. This whole session before lunch, my goal is to get you guys obsessed with those people. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Where are they at? Okay. That's like 
that's what sticks longer than like, how do you, like the, 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 tech, the tactics of it? Because sometimes, someday, Google's going to shift. Instagram's going to shift. Facebook's going to shift. You're like, ah, and it's going to the next, it's going to the next platform. You're like, okay, they're searching for stuff. What are they searching? What would 12-year-old Russell search for? And like getting that mindset is how you figure out each of these things. It's not like, oh crap, there's a new network. Let me wait for the course to come out and you're waiting. And you're waiting. It's like, get your hands dirty and think like, hey, if I was in this spot, what would I do? How would I do it? Like, what would, like, that's what you got to start figuring out. He's getting deep in psychology of the person you're actually um, going to be working with. Um, I have a friend um, who's a really, really good copywriter, and uh, his name is Mike, and he's been doing copy for a long time. And um, I remember one time uh, I was hanging out at a conference like this, and he told me he, had, he um, got hired to write a sales letter for, uh, for a female product. And, uh, he, and I was like, oh, how, how was he? He's like, it's hard. He's like, I had to write as a woman. He's like, I'm a man. I have no idea what women are thinking. I was like, I totally understand that. I don't know how I would do that either. And I was like, well, how did, how did you do it? He's like, well, after like four or five times writing the letter, I kept failing, kept failing, kept failing. He's like, I had to figure out what in the world's inside women's heads. He's like, where are women talking about stuff? I could just like listen in for a little while. And he's like, I'm going to go to like the, the barbershop and, or what do women call it? That's how bad I am. <laughs> The hair salon, yes. I'm going to go to the hair salon and talk to the owner and be like, hey, do you mind if I like, just sit in the room for a couple hours? I know it's going to be kind of creepy, but I'll just like read a book and just like, and he had to convince the person it wasn't a creep. Finally, like, fine, whatever. So he sat in the hair salon. He had been there for over eight hours and sat there like taking notes and he just listened as he listened to the women, listened to what they were talking about, what they're complaining about, what they're frustrated, what their pains, what their hopes, what their dreams, like all this stuff. And he was like, oh my gosh. I had no idea this was in the minds of these women. And he was taking all these notes and stuff. And he got home. He's like, when I was in that state, I got home before I forgot it. And he's like, then I started writing the ad. I started writing the sales letter. And he ended up writing this amazing letter that if you read it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, he understands the pain I'm in. That's what women believed. And it crushed it for him, right? Because he got in their mindset. And I think us as marketers, we don't spend enough time there. We're so focused on like, using the power editor to do the thing is like, no, like figure out your customers. You'll find out amazing things about them. You where they're at, what they're looking for, where their dreams are. Like, um, these are the things I'm always thinking about that I want to tell you, impart on you guys to start thinking this way because this is the stuff that'll last for forever, okay? All right, so these are the, that's the searchers. Now I want to move over to the scrollers, okay? So next thing I start thinking about is like, okay, um, this is what they're looking for if I want to find them and grab them right when they're hot. But what about people who aren't hot right now? What about someone who doesn't know they need a funnel? What about someone who doesn't even know they want to make money? How do I, how do I jump in front of them? How do I, how do I uh, interrupt whatever they're doing so I can come in and make a presentation and convince them of the perceived value what it is I have to offer, okay? So next thing is looking at that, okay, if someone is super, super cold, where would they be congregating? Where would they be hanging out? Where would they be at um, that I could go and interrupt them at, Right? So start thinking about that. Um, like, for example, um, any wrestlers in the room? Anyone want to just, like, go wrestle instead of do this? It's so fun. The World Tournament last weekend. I don't know if you guys... Anyway, I'm not going to go into it. It's amazing. So um, uh, I want to talk about wrestling now. There's so many good stories I can tell you from this weekend. Um, uh, I can't, can I tell one? Okay. I just did a podcast on this, so I'll give it to you. So uh, Kyle Snyder... Um, Amazing dude. He, uh, as an 18-year-old kid, went to the World Tournament and won it. Like, insane. Youngest American to ever win the World Tournament. Like, amazing. Next year, he goes to the Olympics, wins the Olympics. Next uh, year, wins the Worlds again, wins the World again. And last year in the World Tournament, he, he, um, there's some dude from Russia who's, like, insane again. I can't remember if he came down to weight class and went up. But he wanted to, like, beat Snyder. And everyone's like, dude, this guy is insane. Like, there's no way Snyder's got a shot at him. He came in, and Snyder beats this guy, right? And it was amazing. We're all freaking out and like, yay, America. So then what happened is that Russia doesn't like lay down nice to stuff like that. 
Um, any of you guys who saw the McGregor fight realizes what Russians do when they get upset, right? Um, they jump out of the cage and fly down. And like, anyway, it was crazy, right? So uh, this dude who, who uh, Snyder beats for the next 12 months of his life is like, I am going to beat Kyle Snyder and, and just goes insane, right? Like uh, preparing for this thing. And so the whole world tournament, the big buildup was for this match, for the Snyder, the Snyder match with this guy. And so two days ago was the match. And, uh, and all the Americans are like, oh, Russia sucks. All the Russians are like, oh, America sucks. And it's like, oh, just like Rocky part four. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're living back. Anyway, it was crazy. So what happens though is um, they go out there and they start wrestling. And this dude had Snyder's number. He came out there and in like 40 seconds pins him. And you see him jump up going crazy. And it's just like, oh, heartbreaking for all of us who have been following his journey all this time. And, and uh, the next morning I wake up and on Instagram, I open Instagram and Snyder's on there doing this like interview. And I'm like picturing what he's going to do, right? And think like what I would say. I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I just lost, I'd be given like all these excuses. Oh, well, you know, I tripped or the sun got my last, they throw me because, you know, I, I'd have all these excuses or whatever. And I'm looking and he's got like in, in the wrestling world, the biggest platform in the world right now. Everybody wants to hear what he has to say, right? And so everyone's listening. I'm listening. I click play on the video and he comes out there. He says, um, one of the most amazing things in the world. He comes out and he says, um, you know, I'm just grateful I have a chance to compete. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to Jesus Christ. He said, you know, God gave me uh, a lot of victories that have been amazing. He's given me a lot of, of losses that have been amazing. And I've learned from both sides of it. I will take whatever he gives me and I'll become better because of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude has the platform in front of the world and that's how he uses the platform. And it was uh, just amazing. So my message in the podcast you hear in a couple of days is just like, man, all of us have platforms and you can use them different ways. You could use one way where you jump over the cage and start beating people, beating up the fans in the stands, or you could come here and like use it to actually affect people. So there's my wrestling story, using your platform. All right. I have no idea where that came from. Oh, wrestling. Okay. So rewind back to ADD Russell. Okay. So um, when I was wrestling uh, in college, I'm going to go deeper in this later on today, but um, I remember like as a wrestler, uh, I wrestled at BYU for a year and they cut the wrestling team and went to Boise State. And most wrestlers, uh, me included, were really bad at school. And so they had a rule where you had to go to study hall every day for two hours because otherwise you'd probably fill out your classes, which was true. Um, so every single day I was in study hall with all the other wrestlers, which is a bad idea anyway because now we're just goofing off, like having fun in study hall. But I remember sitting one day and I was looking at all the computers in the computer lab and I'm looking over the shoulder at all the wrestlers and every single wrestler was on the exact same website. At the time, it was themat.com. We were all on there talking trash about all the matches happening around the world. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's so interesting. Like if I was selling something to wrestlers, like where, where are they hanging out? Like if I wanted to interrupt them, like they're all there on that site. I can jump in and interrupt them right there, right? So like I said, I'm gonna go deeper on that later today. But what I want you to think right now is like where, if, um, if you're looking for people who are scrolling, who probably aren't looking for your product right now, but you know if they saw it, they would be like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm looking for. Like where are those people at? The people that are cold, where are they hanging out? Okay, and this could mean Facebook groups, but it doesn't have to mean Facebook groups. I'd be looking like, what email lists are they on? What podcasts do they listen to? What blogs do they read? Like, um, what, are, what are those different places that they're already at that I can interrupt them with one of my ads? Interrupt them for long enough, I can grab them and give them a presentation about the perceived value of the thing I gotta sell, and I can change their life. Okay, so I want you to think about that for a minute, and we're gonna do the same exercises. I want you to th- just to think real quick, like, okay, 12-year-old Russell, when I was trying to figure this stuff out, if the internet was around, where would I have been at? I would have been... Man, I probably would have been following like Tony Robbins because like that's amazing. And then Tony talks about like Jim Rome, probably following Jim Rohn. And then I'd be talking about like, I'd be thinking like, where are the places I'd be going to get my information? Because our job is just to find out where they're getting their information and then jump out in front of them and be like, ta-da, I can change your life, right? 
So where are all your people at right now? Where are they congregating? Where are they hanging out? And why are you thinking from both sides, like the cold people who are like one step past um, before like getting to you, like where are those people congregating at? And then the people here at warm, where are those people congregating at? Just start putting down as many different ideas as you can think of right now in the moment. Let's spend three minutes doing that as well. Then we'll come back and kind of wrap it up after that. There's a place I go to when no one knows me. It's not lonely. It's a necessary thing. It's a place I made of. Found out what I made of. The nights I stayed of. Counting stars and 30 seconds. Try as many as you can. Last 30 seconds. As many as you can think of. Where are they hanging out? Where are your dream customers hanging out? If you can't answer this, you're in trouble. Where are they hanging out? Take it all in, wake up, that's my part. Day to day, I'm blind to see and find how far to go. Everybody got the reason, everybody got the way. We're just catching and releasing. All right. Okay, we're only these for three minutes at a time because I want you guys to get started on, but I don't want you to end this process. This should be an eternal thing that's always happening. It's not something I did 10 years ago and I stopped. The two questions you have to understand better than anybody else if you want to serve these people. You have to understand, number one is what are they looking for? If you don't know exactly what they're looking for, you're in big trouble. What are they looking for? Number two, you have to figure out where are they hanging out? If you know exactly what they're looking for and, and you know where they're hanging out, 
Then they're yours. It's easy to get those people. It's not difficult. Buying ads isn't hard. Getting, putting your things, like that starts out hard. Hard things like, where are they actually at? If I can't find them, I'm in big trouble, right? Um, uh, I talked about this in the dot-com secrets book. We had a, the, the opening chapter is called the, the secret formula. You guys remember this? And it's like, who is, your, who is your dream customer? And it's like, where are they at? Number three was then like, what's the bait you're going to create? to grab them. And after that was like, what's the result you're going to get them? Where are you going to take them to, right? Bait. Result, right? Like this is, this is all we're talking about, right? It's like the foundation stuff. It's like, who is it we're trying to serve? Where are they at? What are they looking for? Where are they hanging out? And then our job as marketers is create the bait that can get them to be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Get them to stop in the middle of their scroll to, to search and like click on the thing to go look for their wallet, like freaking out, calling their mom and dad. I need, to, I need, dad, I need your money. Please, I have to buy this, right? And then after we get them, after we connect them, then it's like, cool, now we've got them. Now let's take them up this value ladder and get the best result we can, right? Like that's all this game is over and over and over and over again. Who are my dream people? Where are they at? Where are they looking for? Okay, I find them, create amazing bait to grab them and then I'm gonna take them and give them an amazing result. Okay, like that's the foundation for everything we're going deeper and deeper on over the next, uh, the next two days. But the more you guys think about that, the better. So many people I talk to, I ask them these questions and they're like, oh, I thought about that. I read that chapter in the book. I skipped through it. It's like, no, dude, like, like I do this all the time. This is, this is like a forever thing. Like how many of you guys think the fact that we have 68,000 customers is amazing? It's awesome, right? Guess what the frust- yeah, they, guess what frustrating part about that is? All of the who's, I've got them. So you're like, I stopped growing. You're like, okay, who else could use this? And then where are they hanging out? What are they looking for? And how do I create bait that's actually going to get them? Like, that's my question I'm asking myself today all the time. We're creating funnels for dentists, for chiropractors. We're doing it for, um, for new people, for old like, We're trying to figure out how to expand our market. It's all about figuring out who's the next person we need to serve. Okay, and then where are they looking for? Where are they hanging out? Let's create bait specifically for them, right? We're doing this over and over and over and over and over again. Okay, most of our competitors, they stopped a long time ago. We just keep on trucking because I want to serve people because I love it. I'm obsessed with it, right? The more obsessed you get with it, the more you do this. So don't think this is like a linear thing. This is like a three-dimensional, maybe four, is it four-dimensional? I don't even know. It's something you should be continually thinking through, continually asking yourselves, okay? Because some of you guys, I know your story. Some of you guys have launched a business. You got some customers and they kind of stopped growing and then you've been selling some the same customers over and over and over again. And it's like, but it's, it's stagnant and shrinking. How many of you guys are in that spot right now? Okay? I know that feeling. I was in that spot for a long time. It's because I stopped asking this question. Okay, who else, who else, who else? What are they looking for? Where are they hanging out? Who else, what are they looking for? Where are they hanging out? Okay, new platform pops up, cool. I already know how to do this. Like who, who are the people? What are they doing? What are they searching for? Where are they hanging out? Let me find these groups and then we just go penetrate them and get inside, get in front of them. Because I know if I can get in front of them, I know if I explain and I do it with enough passion and love and care, I can get those people to follow me, right? But I gotta find out where those people are at. So this whole first session, the goal for you guys is to get deeper and deeper and deeper into your customer journey. When you're thinking about it from so many different angles, I'm gonna go back a couple slides. Um, this one right here, because this is like, I don't know. People don't talk about it enough, but this is this is really the the goal. When you understand the people you're trying to serve, you understand where they're at, who they are, become obsessed with them, figure out what they're looking for when they're cold, where they're at when they're warm, where are they lo- what are looking for, where they hang out. Then you can get them. And after you got them, now all we have all the tools we have to serve them and to create tons of value and like change their lives and like ascend them. But the first part is like figuring out where those people are at and get their attention long enough that we can grab them and bring them into our worlds, okay? All right, so that's it for everything before lunch. What we're gonna do when we come back from lunch, I'm gonna go back to, uh, so this is the whole thing. So this 
Everything talked about now is customer journey, which is now going to overlay on top of this. Now we've got some ideas of your customers, and I want you guys to keep thinking about that. But now we're going to start plugging them into this process of how we find them, where we take them, where we take them to next, like how all these things kind of fit into the, uh, the plan and the process. You've been listening to one of our gold members-only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a Diamond member and get access to the Diamond members-only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all of Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.